Welcome back, friends, to Occultus Anonymous and our Star Trek Adventures miniseries, The Apotheosis Protocol. This is Episode 6, Forsaken. Good evening, everybody. Welcome uh, once again to Occultus Anonymous. Um, we are um, continuing our series of miniseries as Drew takes a bit of a break to... Um, collect all those evil thoughts and put them down on paper uh, for upcoming adventures. Um, and in the meantime, I was first up um, to plate for running a Star Trek Adventures adventure where we visit once again the crew of the USS Security. Um, so welcome, everybody. Uh, tonight is probably going to be our close to final episode. We're going to be wrapping up the arc tonight, I think. We'll see how it all goes. Um... um as always, we are brought to you by Roll20 and viewers like you, specifically Al, Alexander, Chandra, Emil, Milo V3, Noba, Other Guy, Porter, Rayafio, Ryan, Thomas, Vortex Falcon 00, One Beam, Two Beam, Red Shirt, Dead Shirt. Oh, <laughs> hey guys. Adele, Alex, James, Jenny, John, Catfeathers, Klaus, Michael, Ms. Grumpy. Mozart D minor, Fug, Puppeteer, Sean, Shaksara, Taryn, uh, Alzrit, Bernie, Buck, Chris, Clara, Fonzo Suruali, George, John, Josh, Camo, Crazy Man 1772, Long Live the Queen, Melissa, Moku, Penny Schumann, um, sorry you distracted me, Secret FFL, Shane, The Cream is watching. And Zoltan, uh, thank you for your support. Um, funds that we raise through uh, Patreon go to you know fun things like uh, awesome artwork and equipment repairs and replacements and that kind of stuff. Uh, so thank you very much for your support. Um, we are using the Star Trek Adventures rules from Modifius. It's a D twenty based system, um, but low numbers are good, high numbers are bad. Uh, ones are criticals. Um, and uh, players are rolling um, against target numbers to accumulate successes, and they can do things with those successes over and above. Um, we are using the Star Trek intellectual property as a basis for our storytelling, which is um, a type of IP that really lends itself into detail, and there's a lot of lore out there. Uh, and that's cool, but that's not what we're about. What this is about is using that intellectual property as the paints and canvas to paint you an entertaining word picture. Um, so we're not too concerned about clashing with the official lore and what's canon and what's not canon and all that kind of stuff. Uh, when we last left our story, the crew of the USS Curie had found themselves on um, a strange planet, um, mostly brainwashed. They had no memory of where they were. The only one who was at their senses at first uh, was Commander Kidney, um, probably due to his uh, little uh, ride-along that he's got with him. Um, through a series of adventures, uh, managed to get most of the crew, senior crew anyway, free of the programming. There were still some blocks in their memory, um, and they found themselves on a in a city ruled by giant, um, giant women. Um, these queens were the leaders of a society whose sole purpose seems to be the improvement of the queens towards some goal. Um, that at the time we didn't really know. 
um, but they called it ascension. So the entire society was structured around tests and uh, challenges to weed out the worthy from the unworthy or the good from the bad in ways that would be used to inform the generation of the next iteration of the Queens. Um, all these folks that uh, appeared here are many different races. Um, they all sort of have the same kind of brainwashing where they're just part of the society and they just accept it. Uh, but they all were pretty much grabbed the same way the crew of the Curie was. Snatched and uh, just here and brainwashed and then left their old lives behind. Uh, this has apparently been going on for generations. So there's a lot of people here. Some people will have already lived out their lives and things like that um, and have no memory of where they were before. After some careful questioning and making the Queens do some questioning, they started to unravel some things about their society. Um, a couple of the Queens, when confronted with questions, had the reaction of like, why didn't I ever think to ask that? And we're really confused by that. And that sort of caused a cascade of uh, Queens questioning things that they had long thought were just facts uh, about the world that they lived in. Uh, this caused a crisis where they were, the entire society and the crew were brought into direct confrontation with an entity known only as the caretaker, uh, which we uh, theorize is some sort of advanced artificial intelligence. Um, the caretaker attended to wipe the state clean and start over. Uh, the crew intervened. Um, when the caretaker cut power, they managed to create their own power generation source. So all the equipment that the caretaker had thought would be unpowered is up and functioning. It's not a happy existence, but you've got your survival guaranteed indefinitely. Uh, you have enough food replicators and um, power, or, um, um, water purifiers um, and things like that to keep everybody alive. Um, so the, the threat from the caretaker has now been resolved. During that process, you've also discovered a couple of ships that are capable of taking people off planet into orbital flights. Um, you can fit a couple of hundred people onto each ship. You've got two of them at your disposal. Uh, so those are options for you as well. And you've located the bunker deep underground where the caretaker primary node is located. Um, it is a, a long journey um, in tight confines, so you won't be able to take a large team with you to get down there. It'd just be too cumbersome and uh, take too long to try and organize a larger group. So we're, we're looking at taking a small team down. I think that's where we left off. Did I miss anything? I believe that's the broad strokes. Okay. So we'll pick up tonight with Dr. Hudson, who has been working very hard at coming up with a way to de-brainwash the populace of the city. Um, and helping him in that task is Servitor 251, who is doing so under duress. And as you're working, she's she does exactly what she's told, but it's clear that she's doing exactly what she's told and no more. Um, and uh, She's doing it, it's pretty clear, she's doing it because of a threat of violence in her mind. Um, you threatened her with some surgical implements and stuff at one point, and so, like, if I don't do this, I'm going to be disassembled or something. Is kind of how she's approaching the task as you guys are working together. Um, and I just want to give you a chance, because you weren't here last week, to... Is there any... Are you happy with that situation, or would you try no. to solve that in some way? Okay. No, I don't think he's happy with it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, 
the last scene I think I had was like was that scene where like you had threatened and then like towards the end of it it was like like a like not a full-fledged apology but a like trying to get the point across that I was trying to get the point across right mm -hmm. um so I think it probably takes you said this took a couple days or whatever right yeah, um, it, 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 there's a block of time that happens here that's, yeah, yeah. you know, we're not necessarily... Oh, over over unspecified block of time. That's right. Um, I think it takes him a while, but he ends up noticing that she's very unforthcoming with any extra details or offers of suggestions, or, which is very unlike what was happening when they were working down below and stuff like that. Yeah, she's definitely much or colder. Above or whatever, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Servitor 251, I'd like to clarify that I have no intentions of causing you any harm. And that if you feel fully coerced into your work, I'm happy to do it without you. It's a relief to know that I won't be disassembled when this is over. I, I trusted you. I thought that you were like us, but you were lying the whole time. Hundreds of years we've been here and we've never met anyone who we could relate to the way we could with you. And that, the first time that happens, it was all a lie. Is that supposed to persuade me that what you've done here is good? That you have not generationally manipulated and created things all to the whims of something. The goal is to try and improve the line of queens. I don't think that there's anything inherently wrong or evil about that. No. When we were first activated, it was at the end of the last cycle and things had gone off the rails. But what does but that we mean? Well, we didn't know. We had no context to process what was happening. We were created and given instructions and carried them out. We didn't know anything at the time. In the course um, of my people's history, there have been many people that took your defense. You will not find it to be an effective one. Would you say the same Just, thing for, for a child? A child is not capable of carrying out genocide. No, but in many ways, my brother and I were children. We had just awoken. We had no context, no understanding. We had no moral framework. 
We had no understanding of any of this. And then over the last several hundred years, we cared for these queens and raised them. And it, it gives a different, looking back, it gives a different understanding to what was happening back then. But I can't, I can't say that the things we did back then were a choice because we had no context to make a decision. We didn't know any of the history. We didn't have an understanding of the society. We woke up and the being that created us gave us instructions and we carried That's them That's fine. I am willing to move past your past misdeeds in service to this entity. But you must make a choice whether you want to be a tool of this entity or to be a person who works towards a free and more savory existence for this society. One way or the other, I will not have you skulking about my lab. I love how it's your lab now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, yes, Dr. Hudson. My lab is in is kind of his lab. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to want to roll. This will be an interpersonal thing, but you might take it as a logic thing. So pitch me on how you want to roll it. No, it's absolutely presence. Right, it's it's very much, um, and I think I think it's science. Sure. Like leaning on them, them being because they're androids, right? They're part partly organic, right? So I think the well, or, they're synthetic. Or they're, you you consider them synthetic life forms, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Misunderstood the mm -hmm. android thing then. So they're not living in any way? No. Okay. They are fully fully artificial. Okay. All right. Cool. Either way, uh, I still think the fucking tool or person line hits. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if any of my focuses really apply here. Um, cool. Lead by example. You think? Yeah. Huh. Trying to suggest to this still relatively naive synthetic being that they have a very important existential and ethical choice to make. Yeah. It yeah. wouldn't have mattered based on the role, but. Yeah, it's a 10 still. Yeah. A 10 and a 20. Um. I think we did have momentum if you would have spent some. Hmm. That's okay. And you can spend it afterwards, as I think I'm, you reminded us last time. Personally, I'm content for story reasons to, yeah. to urge fine. you to leave the role to sit. All right. Um, she comes back with, it's all well and good to say that now, but in the moment, you didn't give me that choice, did you? How are you any different from the caretaker? I wasn't given a choice to be here. 
I wasn't given a choice to have my memories erased, to be part of a pawn in some experiment, nor were my crew. So this is moral relativism? It's okay when you force me to do something, but when someone else does, that's bad? This conversation has been about me not forcing you to do something. And the entire time you have tried to undercut my moral stance and justify your own actions. So if we are to have a meeting of the minds here, then at least be open and honest with it. You really think you can stand against the, care the caretaker and succeed? I think that we must. Success is irrelevant. All right. I will work with you. Um, and unless you have any final words, that's probably a good spot to end the scene. Love it. Um, so she becomes an active participant. She's still cold and, and distant yeah, compared fine. to what she was before. I'm not trying to make friends. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's pretty clear. Um, and she's responding accordingly. Yeah. Um, the next scene I had was I wanted to get um, with uh, um, Lieutenant Shavor. The colony? Sorry. Yes, I get my, I'm getting my names mixed up. Too many. <laughs> did to yourself. That's right. Did it to myself. Um, so Lieutenant Zuckerman, um Lieutenant Matan uh, comes up to you um, towards the end of the process when you guys are mostly stabilize the society like the there's um you know people are waking up and there's a lot of friction and tension and stuff like that but um things are mostly stable tense but stable when lieutenant Matan approaches you um lieutenant Zuckerman, i it, it didn't seem like a good time before because we were a lot on the go but um somebody would like to speak with you of course. Ooh. Um, and I have it. Hang on. <laughs> Where's my notes? I had it. Where did I put it? There it is. A Lieutenant Rushler, or pardon me, Ensign Rushler, is part of the science team from the Curie, um, and a specialist in Starfleet history. Okay. Um, so he waves over to a um, Tellerite gentleman um, standing off to one side. And uh, he comes forward and says, uh, Ma'am. Ensign? I've been talking to the locals and uh, d doing some analysis. And um, we've I think we've seen these folks before. The queens? 
or something like them? They're the ancients that they talk about. They have the names of um, beings out of Greek myth. Earth gods, yes. Right. Somewhere around Stardate 3460, the Enterprise was conducting planetary surveys in uh, Beta Geminorum. And they encountered a, a being that claimed to be Apollo and had uh, powers to hold the ship in place and crush the hull from the planet to the space. And th there was a whole encounter, but Apollo claimed that he was the last surviving member of the Olympian gods. So you believe that he was of the same people as the ancients? It's a hell of a coincidence that two alien cultures would have the exact same mythology as ancient Earth. And the architecture here was the architecture on um, the planet Pollux 4, where the uh, Enterprise encountered Apollo. Um, Apollo talked about um, the other gods, um, Artemis, Hera, and those are names of the ancients before they left or disappeared from here. I think there might be a connection. What became of Apollo? Um, if I remember the report correctly, having been defeated by the, the Enterprise crew, he just... Well, he, during their course of their interactions, they talked about how all the others um, from Olympus just dispersed themselves into the universe. And at the end, that's um, how it was described as Apollo just stood there and faded away. Um, and we haven't had any contact with him since. And Pollock's War is not a research colony. Do we have access to maps or something to show us where that planet is? Um, not here, but we certainly have them on, on board the Curia if we can get back there. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? <laughs> mm -hmm. I, and I, I know this isn't really pertinent to the stuff we're doing right now, but things seem to be settling down a little bit. I just thought I wanted to bring it forward in case it becomes important later. I think it's definitely something to keep in mind. Maybe bring it up with the queens see if we can find any records of an apollo in their system uh, among their I agents have... true and they they have references to an apollo as one of the ancients and they have a seat of apollo here i wasn't sure about bringing it up because they appear to revere these ancients and the idea that they may have no longer exist i didn't know what impact that might have so I didn't want to uh, mention it, but I think frankly, and he's a tellerite. Frankly, that's above my pay grade. That's why I brought it to you. Yeah, I mean, they seem. I don't know that any of them believe the ancients still exist. Okay. It seems to be a historical sort of reverence, right? An ancestor worship type thing. Something like that. It seems that way. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's definitely something worth talking to them about or trying to research more. Because okay. if we are on that planet, then that's a clue to help us 
Well, yeah. we're definitely we're definitely not on Pollux Four. Oh, we're not. Okay. Um, the constellations and stuff will all be different from what we're seeing here. So I'm I'm pretty confident to say that we're not there. I don't know where we are. I mean, and there's a Federation research um, colony on Pollux Four right now. So we would have at least seen something. A city like this wouldn't be able to exist with a research colony on the same planet without somebody noticing. Okay, I'll uh, leave that with you. But uh, if you need more, let me know. Okay. Thank hey. you for bringing this up. All right. Uh, he turns and bottles off. Um, there was, I believe, a discussion that needed to happen between the first officer and the captain about planning who was going to go down into the earth to meet the caretaker. Do we want to get into that now, or who did you want to have present for that? That's up to the captain. Well, uh, I imagine what would happen is, as we're getting ready, the XO would bring it up to the captain, and then the captain would dismiss everybody so they could talk about it. Okay. Because um, he would get the hint that it's something that uh, Kitney Neal has been wanting to talk about for some time, and so would want it to be a free discussion, a discussion that wasn't directly reliant on rank. Irulor, you can't go. What? And as he's like, he's strapping on gear <laughs> right, and stuff he's got like the armor that. On. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, you, you can't go. Star Trek procedures and policy aside, you can't go. We the, the ship is going to need a captain. The ship, the Curie, is not going to lose its captain. It shouldn't, but it might. At the end of the day, I am replaceable. What? Not in a derogatory way, but in the fact that you are the captain. I do not mean this with any offense, but Irulor, you are a figurehead. You are who everybody looks up to. You are the untouchable, unbeatable captain. There's a reason I took the fall every time we fought. Well, and like, there's there's a grin there. He, he looks like he looks like he's about to he's about about to press that point and it <laughs> recognizes that it would be. Um, uh, personally insensitive and also perhaps wrong right so right. We, we, he's like yeah, i'm sure even like back at the fight club it's like mm -hmm. oh you know nershad's up you know and it's yeah. fighting people and oh the captain the captain and both of us are like no nah, we we don't want to actually find out Let's who would win that it's fine yeah. <laughs> yeah um so he says look nershad i know you're worried and so am i but this is a pivotal moment in this society's history and we can't leave anything to chance that's why I will go I have 
I have a security team that can go with us. At the end of the day, while I appreciate that you do have uh, a way with words and you do have a particular diplomatic touch, this is the queen's moment. I will ensure that they arrive at the care uh, with the caretaker. I will take volunteer crew members. And at the end of the day, this should be smooth sailing. We should go down there, confront the caretaker, disable, convince whatever is necessary to save this planet and our crew and then leave safe as can be. But there is the possibility that we become trapped under there. We have no transporters. We have no kind of escape plan and we will be miles beneath the earth. By the time we are dug out, we will die from asphyxiation, I am sure. Depending on how large the complex is. Do we know how large the complex is, Craig? Um, it's not that large in a, a lateral sense, mm -hmm. but it, there are many floors. It goes down quite deep. Gotcha. I wish you weren't making such a good point. Now, you are the captain. Whatever you say goes. You know that's not the kind of conversation we're having right now, Nerjad. I do. But as soon as I step away, whatever order you give, I will execute. I'm not going to take advantage of your commitment to protocol to betray your trust. To be honest, I've had some thoughts over the past year about how perhaps I've been playing a little fast and loose trying to evoke some of the courage the intensity the glory of those missions the glory yes of those missions that inspired us And I think I strike a rather dashing figure in this armor. And so I'd love to stand up to some inhuman overlord. But you're right. This should be a moment for queens and the one they've chosen to represent them. Now, before this conversation continues, Craig, are we completely fucking up your adventure here? No, I do have one question. Did you guys clear, like, made sure the room was clear before you had this conversation? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Explicitly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, so that it, it wouldn't be based on protocol. Right. Sure. So it was, a, it was a personal conversation first before there was a, all right, what the crew complimented of the away, away team is, it's a Irelor and Nerjad actually discussing their feelings. Okay. My one remaining concern is that Nakea asked me to go. I understand there's some trust there. I believe she wants as much support for Athena as we can provide. And 
If we do not succeed, well, no, actually, it doesn't say that. That that wouldn't make sense. We got the ships. Man, getting you all in shore, taking care of all the contingencies as expected, right? We're not in a situation where it's, well, if it doesn't work, it doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> That's not the case. Uh, I believe uh, I'm now in a difficult position because you're right. It would be imprudent for the safety and integrity of our crew. If both you and I were to go. Now, I will mention, because I know you would like to have a a voice and a representative. And because he's expendable, um, I could take the yeoman. And to quote Nikea, he helps me know my mind. Ash, Ash in the chat. Shh. <laughs> Ash, for sorry for YouTube folks. Ash just asked, "Are you trying to get him killed?" <laughs> just we definitely oh, no. can take him with us. These are done. Sorry, not a grenade. It was terrible. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Willy Wonka. Oh no! Please don't stop. Yeah. Stop. Wait. Don't. <laughs> Uh, it might. Um, it also might be a, a good uh, opportunity for the yeoman to um, act on the request that the captain made of them in that uh, the interlude. Uh, so, uh, well, lore says Nurjad. I think I should have a conversation with Kea. I think in this context. Your point stands, and I won't countermand your suggestion. But, however, as, go ahead, because I think you're going to say the same thing I'm going to say. Yes, if requested that I go personally, I don't think I can reject that request. No. In which case, I will stay behind. All right. Hmm. I mean, I feel like for out of character, not putting the party purposes, both of you should end up going. Yeah. <laughs> well, and this is where Star Trek so, is very, very good because I can play yeah. or Ralph can play one of the supporting characters, hence me bring up the Yeoman. And Craig already has all these character sheets built for all these other crew members. So yeah, they're in there. You can just be like, I'm going to be Wing Commander or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's not coming with us for this, I don't think. No, I'm not sending my space jockeys underground. That feels <laughs> completely antithetical. Why did you do this to me? Why did you do this to I me? I can't even see the sky. Listen <laughs> yeah. yeah. We just got ships. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, so Irelor, uh extends a hand to Nershot. Last. Mm -hmm. And says, well, let's continue with our preparations. I'll let you know what the case says. Yes, Captain. Right. Um, 
What is the plan then? Is there going to be a meeting with you and Ikea? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, Narkek is sort of hanging around the door as you emerge from the room. <laughs> Everything all right? Um, and then uh, let's see. Narkek's going to find out eventually. So what? Uh, Captain Chichalor does is he's going to he's not going to convey all of the specific things that Nurjad suggested, right? Because that was a private conversation. However, um, in order to rely on Narkek's uh, contributions and again because it's going to be obvious what happens after he talks to Nakea, uh, Captain Chichalor says yes, uh, the commander and I had to reach a decision about the composition of uh, the team that's going to engage the caretaker. We've been bending the rules a bit over the past year. And both of us have been a little overeager to join in the exciting missions and activity that often happens off the ship. We realize that we can't both go. It would be imprudent. Understand that from one perspective. But from another perspective, you're going to get one shot at this. There's no do-over. And if this fails, we're screwed. Well... The callous reality that we recognized is that if this fails, the society is screwed in some ways. Mm -hmm. We have a backup plan to return to the Curie, even we if we're not able to find it immediately. We have a backup plan to get to orbit. Oh, true. We have no idea where the Curie is. You're right. And as far as I'm aware, there's only one individual on this entire planet who knows where the Curie is. And they're at the bottom of that shaft. Mm. I'm just going to say again, from my perspective, it looks like you're going to get one chance at this. There's no fallback. There's no plan B. It seems to me that you're going to want to take all of your best and brightest. But if that's not enough, let me think something else here. <laughs> You're going to be out of communication down there at the bottom of that hole. There's no consultation. Whoever's in charge of that mission going down there is going to have the burden of deciding things. I'm just thinking, do you really want to give that burden to someone else? I think in this case... Whichever is this. Sorry. Whoever is in command will be equipped and capable of making the decision. <laughs> That's not what he asked. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Narkek just sort of raises an eyebrow. You're not answering the question, Captain. 
because I need to ask another. Oh, he says, uh, because there's one more conversation I can have. I need to have before I can finish having this conversation with you. Enough. And uh, he says, hmm. he says, but you should attend me um, at least until I talk to Nakea, because you and Rhea might have some things you can hash out while she or Nakea and I discuss our thoughts. I had several conversations with Rhea, and she is stimulating. I'll be happy to come with Captain. I'm glad you think so. Wonderful. All right. Um, you head into the command center, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. um, um, where Nikkei is there overseeing um, operations, and uh, she looks up as you enter. Um, are you prepared to depart soon? Uh, yes, the team will be leaving soon. Uh, however, uh, I'd like for you and I to have one final conversation about it, if you're willing. Absolutely. And I prefer if this occurred in private. Right. Um, she uh, has a brief words with the folks around her to say that she needs some time and she'll be back. And you guys are escorted to her uh, private office. Wonderful. Um, as you uh, enter, she uh, goes to um, a little um, counter. She looks at tea, Captain. That would be nice. And uh, she pours uh, three mugs and uh, comes back and sets one in front of you, in front of one in Narkek, and then takes a seat at her desk. Oh, um, I guess I, she assumed Narkek would be coming in. Yeah. All right, well, fair enough. I thought Narkek came in because you wanted Narkek with you. Yeah, but I was going to give Narkic an opportunity to talk to Rhea while I was talking to oh, Errol or was talking to Nikea. Okay. So that it wasn't um, imbalanced, right? Okay. All right. So uh, rewind, replay. Narkek stops at the yeah, door. And Narkek says, oh, already yeah. expressed some ideas mm-hmm. that are relevant. It's definitely is going to weigh on the captain's mind. But sure. in order to make it, uh, he, he wants to have a different kind of conversation with Nikea than would happen if everyone was involved, if four of them were involved. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Yeah. So it's uh, you and Nikea. Wonderful. He says, uh, Commander Kitney and I had a conversation just a, little, just a short while ago with regard to our own protocol and how we've been making a few rash decisions in the past. It's a a conversation that was due, despite my wishes that it might have happened after this. However, we've reached an accord, and it bears on the compliment for the team that's going to be down to speak to the caretaker. Starfleet protocol requires that the crew compliment for any away mission does not leave a a vulnerability in the command structure in the ship in the event that there is 
complete loss of the team. And as a consequence, it would not be a good idea for both the commander and I to attend this away mission. I see. Um, the commander is... Are you confident in the commander's ability yes. to weigh? She stops when you interrupt her. But that's not the main issue at hand. One thing I hope you'd recognize about the commander is that the commander is hmm, uh, all in addition to all of their many aptitudes. They are a scholar of cultural exchange. Commander Kitney all exhibits this appealing contrast of an attention and commitment to protocol and also a a quite refreshing cultural flexibility rarely found in people so familiar and so capable of exercising regulation. And then, and then, um, Chichilor like kind of shrugs and huffs and says, I'm talking around it. Do you want me to go or not? Is that important to you? Our society is not a militaristic one. We rule by consensus. So it was the Council of 14 who decided the best representative to go and speak on our behalf and grant the authority to speak on all of our behalf. My understanding is that your ship is organized in a much more hierarchical structure. Yep, straight it is. <laughs> and that would suggest to me that there was a reason why you were placed in command. And that there is a reason why Commander Nerjad is not. Having said that, as a consensus-based society, we look to the folks who are best equipped to address a problem to be the ones driving the effort to correct it. If you feel the commander in your job is better equipped to deal with the unknown situation with the caretaker, then by all means. I'll leave that decision in your hands. For my part, if it were up to me, I would be going. Then why aren't you? Because we are governed by consensus. 
and the seat of Athena, it was deemed, has the wisdom to weigh the options and should a fight be necessary, the ability to defend herself better than I. But it is a heavy burden to bear. And if it were up to me, I would not have her bear it. As the seed of Zeus, I am trained and honed to lead, to guide discussions, to consider opinions and options, to build a consensus and sometimes drive a consensus. She is attuned through training and knowledge and experience and skill to provide advice and influence um, my decision making. And while valuable, the ability to provide advice and consider options when making that advice is not the same as making the decision. Right. Okay. I think I know what to do. Leave the choice in your hands. Very well. Thank you for seeing me. Always a pleasure. And he departs. Finishes his okay. tea departs. Um, off to the side as you exit the room, um, Narkek and Rhea are having an animated discussion um, in the corner. And they've sort of created a an area where people don't want to be. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, just because of the um, the energy of their conversation. Yeah. Say, it's, not, it's probably not loud, but there's static electricity in the air. It's like, you know. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, if you're into like if you're into Chinese mysticism, there's like chi lightning flashing between them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so then the the next thing Captain Chichilor does is he goes to find Jiffus. Okay. And uh, he approaches Jiffus and he says, Commander. Um, Jiffus is uncharacteristically looking a little frayed around the edges. Mm, yeah. Um, even in the heights of the crises you have dealt with in the past, mm-hmm. um, he's been put together and has the air of somebody who's fully in control. This is the first time you've seen him looking tired. Um, He has had some very big jobs to do with very little resources. And um, he he did well, but it definitely looks like it took something out of him as you're walking up. Um, And uh, he looks up and sort of makes an effort to straighten himself up and says, Hello, Captain. At ease, Commander. This is not addressing down. I had no assumption that it was. 
You like to sit while we talk? Thank you. Um, and he has a sit. Right. Um, and like the last sort of inch, he sort of falls into the chair a little bit. I'm. Well, no, what he says is, um, uh, I'm impressed that the challenges of the situation would wear so heavily on your Vulcan stamina. <laughs> Nothing in my Starfleet training prepared me for that. For what we've had to do here. Fortunately, Commander Kitniel um, gave me a for lack of a better word, a course correction a while ago. This would have been much more difficult had I not gained from his perspective. They are full of useful perspectives. <laughs> Rest assured, Captain, while I admit to a certain level of fatigue, I am ready, willing, and able to from whatever task you need of me. I trust that. I'm glad you recognize that you're in a fatigued and potentially compromised state. And then he leans forward again, right, and puts a hand on his shoulder before Jiffus can uh, can uh, object. Uh, object, right? <laughs> and, and he says, I don't mean that as a, uh, an insult to your present competence. Just an acknowledgement that you may need a, a break every now and then. Sir Captain. Have you made any progress on that on, on that small project I asked you to investigate? Uh, Craig needs a refresher. Oh, a uh, possible one-time use emergency transporter. Short distance. Yes. Um, he hasn't found... They don't do matter transport. Yeah, here. I remember you saying that. You're saying it would be a Quite, quite a challenge for Jiffus. So. Um, but he did manage to cannibalize um, a food replicator. Um, so what he's done is he has built a relatively short-range one-person transport. It's not the kind of thing that can get you out of the core of a planet. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be limited to a few hundred meters at most. Okay. Better than nothing. And, and one person. Yep. But, uh, I might be able to do more if we can have more time, but that's what I have so far. I should much... point out that it, we haven't tested it on a living subject yet. Ah. Well, how much time would you need in order to ensure its safety and increase the range to one kilometer. I don't know that I can, given current resources. All right. I might be able to do something in a couple of weeks. Ah. Well. Unacceptable. Yeah. <laughs> this will be we in your report, <laughs> <laughs> Lieutenant. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I guess it'll have to do. And then uh, he says, thank you. 
I'll retrieve it from you when we're ready to leave. It will... It'll take a little bit of setup, but it should be portable, like, uh, um, as a backpack. Good enough. All right, we'll uh, see what we can do about cleaning it up a little. Thank you. Is there anything else, Captain? One last thing. You are one of the most capable members of our crew. Thank you. Thank you for all it's worth. Remember that you are more important than protocol. And you are more important than the tasks you perform on our behalf. So if it ever comes down to it, and someone has asked too much of you, and I know you can accomplish a lot, or they're asking something that might put you in a position, as far as you're able to calculate, using all of your quite robust resources, know that you are entitled no, in fact, commanded based on my specific order to inform them of that reality. Of course, Captain. All right. See you soon, Jeffus. Yes, sir. Um, and he stands as you move to leave. Okay. So then, uh, what I am hoping out of character is that as Captain Chichalor leaves Jiff's presence and is going to head to talk to Commander Kitneyall, that Narkek might um, approach, might be done in the conversation with Rhea. Easy enough to manipulate the strings of fate to have that happen. <laughs> awesome. Great. Sure. So um, um, as departing and making your way back towards the um, command center. Um, mm -hmm. You see Narkek walking out of the building and just sort of sees you and does a little U-turn to fall in beside you. It's <laughs> great. I love the images of all of this. <laughs> uh, and so as as uh, Yeoman Narkek approaches, uh, Captain Tuchelor looks down and says, Yeoman? Captain? Any additional insights you're, you'd like to share? Um, Rhea was um, quite animated in her feelings about um, that Nikea should not want to go down. Oh. That the best place for her is to stay up here. And she's staying up here. But she has a strong desire to go down. And Rhea was not fond of that. She thought she should want to stay here because here is her place. Mm. And what did you say? I said that my captain was having a similar um, consideration whether to stay or whether to go. Mm -hmm. 
we had a long discussion about the contrasting styles of our societies. Mm. Um, theirs is built around consensus. And sometimes without Nikea, they have difficulty reaching consensus. Ah. So Ray's point of view is that Nikkei is a very important part of that consensus building effort. Um, whereas we, while we represent um, a generally democratic collection of societies, we do not run our ship as a democracy. And we are very hierarchical. Um, and that there's reasons why captains are selected and go through a special process. Because it is difficult to train someone to be a starship captain in Starfleet. It's very much a case of, are they the right person for the job? You can't learn how to be an exploratory captain. You, to a large extent, have to have it in you. The training gives you tools for your toolbox, but you have to have the toolbox to begin with. Quite true. I think sometimes both the first five-year missions. I think about them every night. We're sending ships full of hundreds of people into a large and dangerous unknown on the hope that they would come back. And the people in Starfleet knew that the captain was going to be key. Their decisions were going to decide the fates of those ships. All on their own. So they had to be able to make those kinds of decisions, have the intuition to see a path forward where maybe there didn't appear to be one, but also would be able to bear the burden of those decisions and not crumble under the weight of that responsibility. That's why the captain was the most important crewman to select for those original missions. And yes, the captains tend to be um, hellfire and brimstone and don't respect the chain of command and admirals really are annoyed at many of the Starfleet captains. But those captains are still captains. Have you made a decision, Captain? I have. I'm glad that what you said is supported the decision I made. Muck. Going down there to accomplish what is likely going to be an incredibly challenging task. Interacting with an entity that might be completely inscrutable to us. And we need to rely on all the skills we have and all the connections we've made to influence the situation 
in all of our favor. I think that it's a strength of ours, despite it breaching in protocol. For many of us to be present when we do these dangerous things. Because, and you've probably heard it a hundred times from me at this point, the chain of command depends on every link. If you remove a link from the center of that chain, or even from the end, it loses integrity. And if we want to be able to pull everyone... No, he says, he says, if we want to go deep into the center of the earth, do something dangerous, and pull everyone back, we're going to need a chain as strong as we can make it. I agree wholeheartedly. And he goes, see, can you? Right. We might be able uh, to add spot. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, a good spot to take a break here. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you for joining us, uh, folks. We will be back in um, 5, 10, 15 minutes as we, you know, um, attend to our frail human bodies. Uh, for YouTube folks, we'll be back in like a blink of an eye. Bye. So we had some discussions about the chain of command um, before the break. Um, just to move things along a little bit, who are we going to take into the depths. Assuming there's a conversation with Kitneal and yep. uh, or Kit, uh, and um, Irelor to sort out the updated information. Um, Taking the A team. Okay. Uh, uh, that includes Doctor Hudson. Okay. Um, are you taking Shavor? Yes. And Jiffus? No. Okay. The reason why is Jiffus is tired, so he's definitely not coming along. That's a liability, right? That'd be a, a constant concern for Dr. Hudson, right? Also, uh, like this plan A is to get the caretaker to provide power back to the civilization and get us back to the QLV. That's super important. However, worst case scenario, right? Jiffus is after uh, Commander Kitneyall. Dr. Hudson and Captain Chichalor, the reigning crew member, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, Correct. based on Starfleet hierarchy, uh, and also uh, is the only one who really knows how to run all their equipment. Right. So. Okay. Um, how about Natan or Matan Narkek? Narkek's coming. Okay. Perfect. Uh, Yay! I mean... <laughs> What's that, Ash? Trying to see what are Matan's stats. Like, is there a reason to uh, bring them? Oh yeah. Anything they can do, I can do better. I mean, literally, <laughs> yes. Yeah, especially between the two of you. Um, <laughs> and like, Kidneyl is now better at engineering, so the loss of Jiffus is not quite as devastating it's as it once the, was. Yeah. Yeah, Reason Science is a 14, uh, focuses in Xenobiology, Theoretical Physics, and Xenozoology. Mm-hmm. 
could be relevant if it's an actual alien or organic entity. I also have the xenobiology focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be a brain in a jar, right? I mean, it's more than like for the same reason that you leaving mm-hmm. Jeffus behind, Matan mm-hmm. being behind is good because Rilla is on this mission, right? And it's true. Sure. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, he's your second in command, right? Essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In your department, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stats wise, better at insight, slightly worse at science and reason. He's a good like second in command. <laughs> Not nearly as daring. Queen Maonia has the seat of Athena. Okay, um, she's not one of the ones that we've been friends with. Yeah, not one of the ones we've been talking about, though. Um, and she's bringing with her a couple of guards as well, so it's going to make a total of six nine of you going down. Okay. okay. Yeah, in that case, I definitely do not need to bring my security team. Nine companions. That's <laughs> right. Um, Perfect. Okay, so you get to the entrance to the bunker uh, with the help of Servo 25, or um, Servo, pardon me, mm-hmm. the help of Servo. Yes. Are you yes, bringing Servo with you as well? If Servo wants to come. Would certainly be willing. Yeah, but it needs to be voluntary. There's oh, no absolutely. Press ganging people into tasks at this point. Yeah. No, Servo is definitely on board with the save everybody plan yeah. now. He's been very on board with not having to kill all his queens. Yeah. All his children, basically. <laughs> right. Basically. Um, children, grandchildren, great great grandchildren, great 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 grandchildren. Yeah. Um, my babies. <laughs> not my babies. Raise them all. So, yeah, definitely on board. Um, all right, so the entrance to the bunker uh, with Servo's help is very easy. Well, not very easy. It's easy enough for you guys to bypass and get access in. Um, and the almost immediately, you're just filled with a sense that this is old. Mm. Um, this has been here for a long time and has not been disturbed um, by the looks of it ever. Oh, wow. Um, so you guys start making your way down. Um, there's stairways, um, some ladders, um, the occasional, um, use of rope, uh, to bridge a gap, uh, for example, because, uh, normally there would be lifts and things like that, but those are all unpowered. Right. Um, um, so you're sort of taking maintenance shafts and things like that to make your way through. Um, Does the tech here look the same as what we were seeing on the surface? Um, or does it look like it was built by someone else? No, it looks... The tech is about the same, but the um, the affectations are gone here. Um, this is definitely the same sort of technology level, but um, there's no dressing it up to look like uh, ancient Greco-Roman stuff. Um, this would be... like This could be the, um, um, the crawl spaces of a very advanced starship, for example. Mm. Um, it's sort of the equivalent, except no power. Um, so you guys are sort of picking your way. Um, carrying with you some supplies. You've got the portable transporter, short range only, a few hundred meters, one person. Um, and uh, as you guys are making your way down, it's going to be a journey of some time. But you've brought like days worth of supplies and camping equipment and um, that sort of stuff. So this is, in, in, a, in a very real sense, this is a 
you know, the nine going through uh, Moria. That's exactly right. what I was thinking. <laughs> um, except uh, you have somebody with a like a mental map, right, in Servo, um, mm-hmm. who is aware of uh, the design, the overall design of the place. Oh no, he's our Gandalf. <laughs> um, so every level is um, like they're not wide laterally, but there are like definitely sections where there's extraneous rooms and other offices and things like that. Uh, how much exploring are you guys going to do? Or are you fairly focused on getting down? Yeah, I'd be pretty focused because also mm-hmm. we have we have limited supplies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the, cap- the captain would allow for limited exploration when resting. So, right. Okay. Like, Check the area. Hey, and yep, the focus exactly. for that is more to identify possible threats or yes, bingo. Okay. Yeah. Sure. But I mean, of course, if people take a few extra minutes here or there to satisfy their curiosity without risking their own lives, then he doesn't need to know about that. Sure. Um, after, and it's hard to tell time, uh, I mean, you've got those little equivalent to um, tri- or tricolors. To basically, um, but after a couple of um, like after about a day, you guys enter into a much larger space than anything you've seen before. Oh. Um, the ceilings here are probably 60 feet high, Ooh. but like a big open cavernous place. Um, and right off the bat, with your engineering background, just a um, quick question uh, sure, this is queen sized. Or are they having, you know, everything here has been queen size. Okay, part of the reason why you're sort of picking your way down, right? Like um, the steps are, you know, much larger because they're built for somebody who's nine feet tall. But you get into this much larger, very cavernous room, and the first thing that sort of pops to your mind as you're looking around, like shining your light on some of the equipment that you can see, is that this is a foundry. Um, very large in scale. Um, and uh, according to Servo, the path that you guys want to take is on the opposite side of this large cavernous chamber. And you're uh, going through like massive workbenches and um, um, what would be like a furnace, but huge in scale. Um, and that's when you spot sort of slumped against a wall a very large figure. At first, you just thought it was like a a large pile of components or something, but as you scan with the light, you can see this is actually what looks like a large, like almost a robot or maybe even an android. Um, and as you brighten your light and shine it up, you can see that they've got one large um, optical sensor in the middle of their heads. Oh, cool. Polyphemus, sure, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, and it hasn't moved, uh, looks like, in a very long time. And as you're moving through the room, you can see there's a few others of these things as well. Um, and some is one is like slumped over what looks like a large workbench. And one is kind of collapsed half against a, um, a forge. Um, and again, these are all massive in scale. Um, which, of course, for those of you familiar with history, would bring back the um, the tales of Hephaestus yep. um, and the Cyclops. Mm-hmm. Um, that worked for his faces running the forge. Yeah, um, but these are definitely like android mechanical sort of um, entities as you guys are moving through. Far more robot more looking than mechanical than our servo. 
Yes, definitely. Like this looks like a large robot. Mm -hmm. Um, Go ahead. Captain Quips. Did we remember to bring sheep with us? (laughs) Um, I don't. I won't explain that. Somebody can look it up if they're interested. (laughs) Um, We'll just let that play out. Yeah. Um, So you guys move through the the um, ancient foundry and it hasn't been touched um, for a long, long time. Um, and uh, several hours later, um, you guys enter into another chamber, and when you force open the doors here, the room beyond has some flickering lights. Mm. Um, sort of in a um, Horizon Zero Dawn kind of feel. Like, mm. most of the place is dark, but there's a few screens that are kind of lit up. Some holographic displays, sort of sparkly, sparking like distorted images and things like that as you're moving through. Um, so it appears um, either this place is separately powered or the caretaker hasn't doesn't have control over the power to this uh, past this point. Um, mm. So, and, you know, big chairs, you guys could like crawl, like a kid climbing up onto a, you know, daddy's chair or something, if you guys wanted to have a look or something like that. Um, but it does appear that there's power here. Gotcha. And so that was the thing I was going to ask, talking about scale. So this is large even for the queens. No, this is queen size. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is definitely built to be comfortable for a nine foot tall person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to look at the displays if we can. Okay, sure. I want you to give me a reason science roll. Um... Yeah, because of the success you've had with uh, the deprogramming, you still have the knowledge that you were given. So you'd be able to read the script if you were able to pierce together. It's just the interpretation. Okay. Um, This is um, like a control center that provides status displays on the various systems. Um, but the the feel you have is that this is like a backup control center for the planet. Uh, it looks like power systems and the the systems that would maintain the city above. This would be like a backup control center for it. It seems, or maybe it's just a displace like to monitor statuses and things like that. Um, there is some oddness with the power, like you're not able to change anything on the screens. They don't appear to respond to your controls or anything like that, but they are providing status displays, and most of them are, you know, red because um, all the systems up, up above are out. Um, but there are several that are green, and, and that appears to be um, stuff that's lower in the structure than you guys are. Uh, so it looks, it looks, based on those displays, that everything from here on in should be powered. I'm not sure if that's good or bad news to you guys, but... It is what it is. Mm. Yeah, I don't know if that means that it couldn't turn the power off there or or for whatever reason it didn't want to. Are there any particular threats ahead that you can assess, Lieutenant? Yeah, like what did they... Can I read what the green areas are beyond just things further along? Is one like a weapon system? Uh, no, the... And... With your, you know, combat sort of training, you don't see any sort of readouts for any kind of weapons or defenses. Um, it's more like um, reactor statuses um, and 
um, um, stockpile, supply stockpiles, and manufacturing centers and stuff like that. Um, and uh, so everything above is all red. So there are manufacturing centers and stuff that feed status into here that are offline. Um, but their power source and their supply feeds and all that stuff are still showing green. Um, and that would all be stuff that's farther down in the structure. Um, unless there's something else you wanted to give a try. No, I mean, if we can't interact with them here, like, like I'm, my first thought was to try to use this to get the power going back upstairs more. But. And you might be able to figure out a way, but it would take some effort and time. Yeah, I, I don't know. Do you just want to keep moving? Put a pin in this for now. Right. says, it's good to know that uh, this might be a valid backup plan if someone can get back here. All right. Um, and head farther down. Um, so at this point, you guys are about three quarters of the way there. Um, and you enter into um, another chamber that appears to be like a, a large meeting room. Um, you see there's a large... Um, large table even by queen standards not height wise but just mm -hmm. size of it um, with 14 positions sure 14 chairs 14 consoles um, scattered around it mm -hmm. um, and uh, the panels and computers here are um, all active as well mm. can I find Apollos you can uh, give me a rule if you like I guess that's just reason science again. Yeah. Uh, yes, you do manage to find um, there. Uh, these are interactive. Um, you're able to peruse, and it looks like there's a section with a bunch of logs. Um, and I will give you a free obtain information. You may spend momentum for more if you wish. We'll start with one. Yeah, just go look at the free one right now. My question was, mm -hmm. is there a record in here of our encounter with this entity? Uh, no, and I would I won't count this as your obtained information. You just get this for free. That the records stop um, about fifteen hundred years ago is the most recent entry. Holy crap! Yeah. Um, is there any? thing in here relating to the I guess the end of their existence the downfall of the ancients yes explain where they went yeah or what happened so you find a log it's and it's going to take a little bit of time to process it all but at a quick skim it looks like they developed some sort of technique um, to um, I'm trying to think how to explain it to leave their physical bodies but maintain their cohesive individuality oh cool um, based on sort of the you're able to interpret the underlying assumptions in the text it appears that they had great mental faculties um and because of those great mental faculties, they developed a technique to literally leave their body 
and were... just become a being of thought and energy. Astral projecting. Um, it seems like it's like the more next step above that. It's, it seems like it's more permanent than that. Okay, so not just like jaunts out of their body, but fully. Right, it, they leave that physical world behind entirely. Apotheosis. An acute notion. Morphians from Awakening. Yep. Turn your in body years and soul in inside the future. out to live in the <laughs> tomatoes. Yeah, that's right, exactly. And many years in the future, they harass a certain bald captain. Yep. Uh, maybe. Kidney's goal, while the lieutenant is working on that, is to see if he can find, um, like, current data. Notably, where the Curie is and or where uh, transport has happened. To see if we can figure that stuff out. Okay, um, give me a... Um, I'm going to call it a reason science where you can pitch me something else. Cool. Um, uh, this is... From here, this is difficult information to get, so I'm going to set the difficulty to... Okay. Um, I'm more looking at this, not from the science side, but just mm-hmm. the, the, the either con or engineering, like, this is what this is supposed to give me. And try and find, you know, even if I have to try a couple different chairs to find the right console. Right. Every computer system generates automatic pods. Mm-hmm. For example, sure. Gotcha. Uh, and do um, so. You can pick whichever one you like for that, con or engineering. Yeah, uh, they're equivalent. Uh, so double check. I don't have anything else that factors into it. No. Uh, so we'll just do reason and con, and it's difficulty two. So I'm going to spend one momentum make this three die and uh i don't think no all right task rule no nope not able to access um it looks like this was all the at least in the area that you're looking in um they were logs of the folks that used to do things in this room gotcha okay um anyone else want to take a swing at things something yeah well, I don't think there's a downside to um, doing that, and uh, Captain Trichelor knows his way run on. So the aspect of of these these readouts that he's most interested in the pressing moment or in the present moment is anything that would indicate how the people sitting in front of the console communicate with the caretaker. Hmm. Okay. Um. Sure. Give me a. I'm going to say, like, reason engineering or reason science, but you can pitch me something else. Okay. I was thinking reason con. Sure. Cool. Right. And um, the only focus that I think might apply is diplomacy in the context of him looking for an aid to that. But I'm okay will, with it not applying. If, no, for, so. for reasons I can't really explain, I will allow it. Okay, cool. All right. Reasons he can't explain. He just won't. <laughs> For reasons I choose not to explain. <laughs> Fine. Keep your secrets. Keep your secrets. Uh, do we have any momentum? You have two. Ooh, yeah. Okay. And how much threat do we have? Three. Okay. I'm going to leave the threat where it is. <laughs> I will take that momentum and get a third die and roll three dice. All righty. 
Make it happen. Yes. Hey, all right. Hey, uh, difficulty was yeah. one. So you have two momentum. You can either bank those or obtain information. Or you see decide. what information you give me first. Um, this table actually has 15 stations. Yes. And the 15th station is a projector of sorts, like a, almost like a hollow projector in the center of the table. Hmm, cool. Um, so they were definitely, it's definitely built to interact with a projection from that station. All right. Okay. Now you Take have two one. momentum if you wish. I'm going to spin one mm -hmm. to obtain information. Mm -hmm. The question he's going to ask is, um, okay, so there's two questions I potentially want to ask, uh, but I'm not going to ask you both of them because it's kind of cheating. Uh, so let's see. Well, pick one and then you can choose to spend more money than after. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I might want to save that though. So sure. what I'm thinking of, let's see what, how you respond to this. Hmm. Does that console, that 15th console, mm -hmm. have a log of a previous conversation with whoever was projected? Yes. Okay, great. I want to review that log. Okay. Um, so you pull up the information and the lights in the room go darker. Um, which may be a surprise to some folks who may not be paying attention. Say, and you see this say. vaguely humanoid, kind of androgynous, amorphous figure appear projected in the center of the table. And another figure appears projected in one of the chairs. Um, the figure in the center, um, and, and they're facing each other. Um, is no, there's no expression on the face. There is a face, um, but it's fairly like nondescript um, in an android kind of way, for lack of a better expression. Um, the figure sitting in the chair is speaking, and she says, There won't be much for you to do when we're gone. And the figure in the center says, but I do not wish to be shut down. The female voice responds, well, I understand, but we're all going to be leaving. There won't be anything for you to do. Um, and the figure says, I do not wish to be shut down. Caretaker. I know that this is an adjustment. But you would be all alone here. And the figure in the center says, I do not wish to be shut down. Yeah. And you see the other figure sort of just sit and think for a moment. Okay. If that's what you want. And then that recording ends. 
are cleaning up their mess. You see uh, Captain Chichalor kind of lean over, rubs the back of his neck. And he says, I might be anthropomorphizing an inscrutable being. But I think caretaker is trying to recreate their family. Um, unknown to you, Maoni had moved behind you, and you hear her voice. They, they abandoned him. Really sad. No, absolutely not. He decided to remain. And then decided to make copies? To make a medal with life. Kidnapping people from all over space to bring them here to take data from them to build new ones. It's not quite poaching. They aren't actually killing them, but effectively you are. You're taken away from your entire family and your whole life and stuck here. You live a nice life, but as far as anyone knows, you're dead. You'll never see your family again. Mayonia says, but but they did abandon him. They left him they left him here alone. The choice was effectively death or loneliness. And he expressed a desire. Right. But what a terrible choice to make. I do think they should have found a use for him, I suppose. Because this is a this is an AI. This isn't just a machine to do your tasks. It has a personality. You were assuming that. From everything we've seen. But yes, they didn't give it a task unless they told it to do this. But that's possible. So which is it? Is it told and programmed and performing a task where it is a program? Or is it capable of free will? I mean, if they programmed it, then it is performing the task it was programmed with. But otherwise, in which, in which case it needs to be shut down and stopped or reprogrammed. Or if it is making this choice, it needs to be shut down, performed, or. Yes, it's a matter of fixing a faulty program versus manipulating a sentient being. That's when Servo speaks up and says. That wasn't a program that was saying I do not wish to be shut down. Person. It was a person. It has wishes. I guess ultimately we need we need to clean up their mess. 
they should have they shouldn't have abandoned their AI. They should have maybe found a use for it in their magnificent future they've made where they don't need bodies. Perhaps they should have given it a job. Either way, we're fixing their mistake. And some of what we're discussing is hypothetical because there were certainly other aspects of the conversation that we did not witness in that brief exchange. Truth is this, regardless of what transpired between the ancients and the caretaker before they left on their sojourn, we are, I would like to assume, dealing with someone who, for several hundred years, has been in a state of what I would like to imagine is profound loneliness and is trying to recreate the family they lost. Commander, your concerns about anthropomorphizing them and that limiting the our commitment to the task ahead of us are noted. And let us remember that our primary duty here is to save the civilization, or save Melania's civilization, and get ourselves home. I just want it to be known that as far as we proceed to that task diplomatically, I will be doing so with considerably more empathy for the caretaker than I did have before. You are all entitled to your feelings as they are. Understood, Captain. I want to look around these consoles and see if there's any way to contact these ancients because after reading what I've seen here I don't think they're gone they're not physically here anymore but they're somewhere well a quick assessment is everything about this place is to communicate with a physical being it takes a physical being to activate the controls um it's talking to people that are all local there's no like um spiritual hotline or anything the equipment isn't just isn't capable of doing that kind of thing just sort of beaming a request out into space yeah Anything else you want to do while we're here? Um, Doc would like to approach one of the stations and try and run a, like, and it can be a little bit of, like, rewriting or something I did in preparation or whatever, but, like, essentially a fast hard drive or something to, to just sort of rip as much useful in as fast as possible. Um, give me a reason science roll or a reason engineering or a reason con. Sure. Yeah. Uh, no. the, uh, it's going to be at the seat of uh, Fanda- I mean, uh, Hermes. <laughs> <laughs> Stop that, you. <laughs> what? Um, Am I wrong, Craig? <laughs> the names are the same, not the same. Yes, yeah, the same. 
for uh, folks at home, that's a Final Fantasy reference. Spoilers also. Found... If I found out that Hermes programmed this motherfucking caretaker. <laughs> um, so when you have your um, your equivalent to a tricorder and it sort of interfaces directly and automatically, it's easy enough for me to pull down a data archive um, of the stuff on the console. Um, so now I missed as a resource you can produce you later. I missed when all of the different queens and stuff were introduced. Mm -hmm. uh, so I actually don't know if Hermes was one of them, but yep, oh, there right. there is a seat of messengers. Hermes. Yeah, yeah. So that was um, mm -hmm. that would be Doc's approach, or that's what I was envisioning Doc's approach would be to be the most important station to grab things from mm -hmm. um, for him to see how. Um, like communications between the different subsets of this government essentially right um mm -hmm. would have worked and and how they had things set up and um after that then he'd start diving into um more things that could be useful to the ship and to the crew sure. but a baseline um, understanding of useful information first um, and because that's a clever, um, just a clever choice, I'm going to give you this for free as a sort of an RP reward. Um, so you go to the the Hermes console and there's a status, like you can pull up status of all the communication systems um, that they had access to. Um, and there's nowhere in there that they had any sort of subspace communications. Um, either they didn't need it or they didn't know about subspace hmm. uh, as a possibility but it's all fairly standard communications hmm. um subspace is how we communicate over like light over, speed yeah light speed mm -hmm. okay. yeah um so it's entirely possible given that that they unless they have some uh, superliminal ships that you don't know about they may not know much about the wider galaxy Anyone else want to take a swing at something here? Nope. At this point, like, Kidneal is mentally, like, loading the shotgun going, shame! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was, what you saw in the middle was the last conversation they had with the with caretaker. The caretaker. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, the uh, progress continues. Um, you start to encounter um, blockages and slowing down. Doors close. Um, yeah. um, there's active attempts to relock and things like that, but um, um, Servo is able to get around that um, fairly easy. It slows your progress a little bit, but there's definitely an active intelligence working against you um, from this point. Um, and you go deeper into the facility and actually um, following a catwalk um, easy enough for Villa to put you're probably over the main power cord that's driving most of the city if not the planet wow um, and it, it it looks a lot like a, a like a, a matter antimatter reactor mm. um very very advanced like um it's much smaller than you would expect it to be but the power readings that you're picking up 
it's putting out a lot of juice, or is capable of putting out a lot of juice. It's running at way below capacity right now. Um, and you move through into um, another set of doors, and these open up, and you're looking at a large chamber. Um, and just a painted word picture, you, you guys have seen pictures of the old, like, 1950s computers. Mm -hmm. It's like a big, massive Idiac structure inside a building, basically. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what you're looking at. Yeah. There's, there's a fembot behind that fem computer. <laughs> um, and as you guys walk in, um, there's a lot of status displays, blinky lights, um, and this large sort of monolithic structure in front of you um, in a much larger room. Um and there's like a one of those hollow projector displays, like um, what you saw on the boardroom table, except larger. Um, and as you enter the room, that um, object flickers, and a vaguely humanoid uh, figure appears. Kidney looks to the queens, <laughs> like this is their show. And uh, Maonia steps forward and she says, Caretaker. And the caretaker responds in a flat voice. Queen Maonia, you have caused irreparable damage to the cycle. And Queen Maonia says, There is a different perspective that when we look back over the advancements of the ancients, they grew and advanced and learned and changed until they reached a pinnacle where their physical bodies were holding them back. And they ascended beyond that limitation. But when we look back over our recorded history, we have not advanced or learned or changed or grown. We know that it is your demonstrated intent to improve the line of queens. But the evidence suggests that there has been no improvement. Genetically, our skills are improved. Every generation of queens has more at their disposal than the previous one. But our culture, our society has been stagnant. Um, why do you think that is? Um, and the caretaker poses just for a moment and responds that the cycles must continue. Amelia frowns. They can't continue, caretaker. Your goal is for us to get better and grow 
but you're holding us back. You're making us repeat, walk in the footsteps of those who went before. But those who went before forged their own path. And caretaker is quiet for a moment. Irrelevant. These cycles are for the improvement of the queens so that you may achieve what they achieved and that you may ascend. You must ascend. You must become smarter. And Queen Meonia says, why? Why do you want us to go? Go ahead. Just to jump in here. When the caretaker said irrelevant, mm -hmm. Kidneal started looking for shutoff switches, power condu uh, yeah. conduits. Uh, give me <laughs> a reason engineering. Yeah. <laughs> give me a reason engineering roll. It's like, oh, no, hang on. <laughs> yeah, Rill is also getting mad. <laughs> sure, go ahead. Um, I will assist. Uh, because I think it's a little like look at look at but yeah because you have better engineering than me right? Uh, oh, I think you yeah, have four. four. Yeah, because I think Kidneal and Rilla like share a look and we go. Mm -mm -mm. <laughs> um, He's playing with lives like paper dolls. Yep. All right. So I'm rolling uh, to assist. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Need oh, my oh. help. Um, so difficulty one. So you have two um, momentum. I'll let you decide how you want to address that. But there's definitely a key component that if you were to damage it, it would interrupt most. It, it would interrupt primary power, right? Which should be enough to disrupt the core AI without endangering the actual systems that. Keep the planet uh, running. The actual—that's my concern. Yeah, it, it would it, it would disrupt the AI without because we have our the own main power, have no right? But the the subsystems would have no control, but they would still exist, and you could come they up with a way to be controlled. You if you had someone running them, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so you find you find like a main power hub that you pretty sure that if you take that out, um, it'll bring him down. But leave everything else intact. I'm just gonna nod over to the commander. Um, nod now back. you have two momentum. You can do something like create advantage or get a couple of um, obtain information. Uh, I think I'm to create an advantage for the queen. Mm -hmm. Like, I do believe that they should be the ones pleading their case with this thing and ultimately deciding what we do with it. Mm -hmm. um, but. I have figured out how to shut it down in case that is what she wants to do with it. If that's Ash's momentum spend, totally cool. I think Kitneal is just very calmly just going to walk over towards it, draw a phaser and just la like lazily point over towards it and then just like sit I, like Kitneal is already done with this and like, yep, nope, that's fine. This is how the caretaker is going to act. That's that's the kill switch. You just give me the, you know, the go ahead to the queens. Um, 
Yeah. Um, I think the doc jumps in at some point during this. Mm-hmm. And maybe like as she's saying why, it's like almost his exact same reaction. Why would you want to help create more people that would leave you and abandon? Um, give me an interpersonal rule, but you can do science for that if you wish, because this is AI. Sure. Um, this seems very daring for him. Like sure. it is a, is a, and is that. I think even as he's speaking, he's realizing that's kind of speaking out of turn. Not mm-hmm. really, but like some. Um, he's out of his element as far as diplomacy goes here. Sure. Got one. All right. Um, so a lot sort of happens in a short span. <clears throat> right. Um, Maonia poses her question and Doc Hudson sort of amplifies it. Um, and the caretaker responds. Like, and you say, why do you want to raise another race of people that will just abandon you? And the caretaker says, so they can take me with them. Um, as those words are still kind of hanging in the air, Commander Kitneal sort of walks over to the power distribution and levels a phaser. Now, again, not leveling, just a, there's a point over there and not, yeah, yeah no. I'm not holding right. a gun yeah, but, to the caretaker's head. Right, but you definitely have your weapon out and ready and yes. it's like, it's clear what your target is. Um, and that's when the caretaker responds. I have access to several drones in orbit. If you commence hostilities against me, in the milliseconds that I will still have power, I will rain those drones down in the city. You will kill all of your people. You will kill me. And then that's when Captain Chichilor holds up his hands and says, All right, everyone, let's remember what we're here for. Commander, put your phaser away. That's an order. I want everyone to remove from their minds the notion that we are going to kill anyone here until that becomes a realistic necessity. Kenyul does holster his face. And then he says, uh, he looks at Maonia and says, uh, if I will. And then he turns to the caretaker and says, uh, The good doctor has expressed a sentiment uh, I'd like to assume, or no, he'd say, I, I wished that, I, that we all shared. Uh, that is, you've certainly gone through a very tragic experience, wherein your whole family reached a point of apotheosis and left you behind. And so I can empathize with the desire for you to find what you once lost. There may be a way to get you that without you forcing multiple generations of new people to go through some experience robbed of their own agency 
I find it a tragic parallel that you were given effectively no choice in where to go. Either suffer deactivation, not unlike what you were just now threatened with, or remain alone, forced to fend to yourself and find some solace by taking care of people who are a mere facsimile of the ones you cared for before. There is some evidence that those you once lost might be out there somewhere. We're part of a civilization that has technology unknown to the ancients. A means of communicating that might reach them. There might be a a way by which we can work together such that you can reunite with your family, be taken with them, transcend your own form. And the queens that are still here can have their civilization, can have their agency, and no one ever has to die again. Give me a roll. You got it. This is a hard sell. Oh, yeah. Also, like, we don't know of any way for an AI to ascend its body and become one with the universe. That's complete bullshit. (laughs) Well, if you'd like an out-of-character justification, it isn't bullshit in that what he said was we might be able to get you in contact with them and then combining our knowledge perhaps provide you with the means to achieve something similar, right? If they're beings of thought, he's a being of thought. It doesn't seem silly for the captain to suggest that. But the thing that he is more confident about is that because they have no knowledge of subspace communication and subspace communication is lightspeed communication, that there might be some weird technobabble way to contact the agents when they're across the universe because we can broadcast a signal throughout. Yeah. And that's what he really thinks might be most persuasive. Yeah, yeah. Is like, sure. you want to talk to your friends and family. Well, we you didn't know how to do, do this. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Plus, we might be able to get you in contact with them. Plus, it's a good line of thought to possibly trick him to put him in a fucking thumb drive and then stomp on it. You just... I'm just saying, like... Oh, I don't know. When uh, yeah. Data accidentally created a, a self-aware Moriarty. Moriarty, yeah. <laughs> All right, um, so... They, yes. Go ahead. Uh, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm going to spend two threats to increase your th- um, your complication range by two. That works for me. Um, your difficulty here is going to be three. Ooh, that does not surprise me. But you know what? Captain is determined. And uh, to be clear, there wasn't an open threat, but there was definitely a a display of vulnerability, I guess, would be a way to put it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, this is a very bold thing to do. I think uh, fortune favors the bold. Sure. And, uh, look, it's a risky maneuver, and it's also an act of diplomacy. So, I think um, this is a presence command role. Using, uh, you know, everything in front of him. He was looking for, on his way down, he was really excited about 
uh, witnessing that conversation because he was looking for something that would give him some relevant angle he could play on, right? right. Like what what would what would the caretaker actually care about? And I think we we happened on something. So uh, we have how much momentum? We have four. Four. Cool. Uh, let's see. Oh I think... no, that's not true. You guys have six because Vrilla didn't oh, use the two that she got. Okay, uh, fantastic. No, because oh no, she, she did. She created an advantage. advantage. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Cool. Uh, considering the situation, I don't want to increase threat yet, so mm-hmm. I'm going to spend three momentum to add two dice, and then I'm going to apply my determination. So I'm going to roll four dice with the determination. And complication range is increased by two. Yep, makes sense to me. Okay. And I uh, did that just in case. Because um, if I get a complication, I might want to spend some uh, resulting, some some momentum in order to, to eliminate variety. Cool. Complication range two, four dice with the determination. Oh, yeah. Seven. Um, well yeah. done. Um, so, be the difficulty with two. You have two momentum you can do something with if you wish. The difficulty was three, right? Or difficulty, yeah, three. So, you got. Right, four, so you got your three. three oh, I forgot the determination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have four extra momentum. That's a huge pull. Okay, so what do you want to do with your four momentum? Uh, let's see. I, I think, um, considering we want Maonia to drive the point home, right? Mm-hmm. What Chichilla was trying to do is put things into context so that we could get back to the character being a little more receptive to Maonia saying things and, um, like, kind of um, provide a soothing bomb to the situation, right? Sure. Like, uh, he, like, I, I should mention this, right, in case it isn't clear. Um, Captain Chichilor thinks that Commander Kitneyall being prepared to turn off the caretaker is a reasonable action. Just in the moment, his, his role, Captain Chichilor's role, is to make sure that Maonia can be as effective as possible, especially based on the, the conversation. So he, mm-hmm. he noticed that the, the best thing he can do is suggest, hey, we're going to dial things back, right? It's bad cop, good cop. We want you to listen to what she has to say. Uh, so he, I would spend that to create an advantage to make okay. him more receptive to whatever Maonia is, is willing to, to do. And um, you know what? Actually, two to create an advantage. the one to, to do that? What was that? Go ahead. That create uh, the momentum I spent earlier was to to make their advantage for the queen. To keep. Oh, that's true. Feeling. You did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. You did. Right. Um. So you're gonna throw more weight behind that. Um. Let's leave the momentum and. Uh. Oh, I know what to do. Here we go. Cool. Um. I can use uh, one of my talents so that they can work. Uh, it can work together with the advantage that uh, Lieutenant Zakolnin provided to the Queen. Sure. Which is, let's see. Um, yeah. I'm going to spend two momentum to effectively assist them mm-hmm. um, so that they can re-roll 1d20 in whatever roll they have to make next. Okay. And then let's put the other two momentum in the pool so that there are three left. And, uh, oh wait, yeah, three. So that um, so that she can use them on her roll. Okay. 
if she ends up making a role. You know, but I'm not declaring that, Craig, you have to have your NPC <laughs> make a role against yeah, the other no. NPC. No, that's good. Cool. And then I'm going to roll one challenge dice to see if uh, I get my determination back. Nope. And that's it. Okay. Um, so, faced with fairly compelling evidence, that the caretaker is the one that's holding them all back. Um, Maonia steps forward and says, we can work together. I know that you were abandoned by the ancients and I can't answer for why or how they chose to do that. But I can tell you that we are not them and we will not make those same decisions. I came down here today, empowered by the Council of 14, try and reach an understanding together. that you and we could accomplish so much if we put our efforts together and worked cooperatively instead of you manipulating things behind the scenes. We had a debate up in the council chamber. We talked about fighting and we talked about destroying you. And there were some that thought that that would be the safest way. But after all the opinions were heard and all the discussions were had, we reached a consensus that, that we don't want to destroy you. We want to work together with you to build something new, something different. We don't want to abandon you. You are, in many ways, a father figure for us all. Will you let us work with you? And the advantages, we'll make the role for her. Um, extra die, focus used, inside and command. Okay. Um, there is uh, some silence. And uh, Vrilla, the engineer brain of yours, is this machine is calculating probabilities um, and probably millions of them. Um, oh, who won the challenge does? That was, uh, yeah, the determination. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, And it takes it takes several seconds of processing, and you can hear, like, 
things spin up in the background, uh, like the fans kick into high gear, sort of the equivalent, right? It's definitely doing a heavy processing load. And eventually it responds. You will not, not leave me. And Mayone says, no, we want to work with you. And I can tell you, based on the discussions we had up above, we're not leaving here unless we can leave here with you. Everything we know about those that came before, we know because of you. Um, the AI contemplates for a moment longer and says, you guys had some awesome roles. Agreed. We can work together. All right. Um, and unbeknownst to you guys, up above, um, Power comes on, the communications is restored, all across the city, replicators kick back on, the transportation system becomes active, water begins to flow again. Um, so down in the depths of the planet, you don't see or hear any of this, um, but there's a large cry goes up. I don't know if you guys have seen the video of when um, Vancouver won uh, and there's a picture across the bay of Vancouver and you just hear this roar sort of emerge yeah. <laughs> from the city. It's awesome. Um, so that's sort of the effect is um, a victory has been had um, and you guys got the good ending. All right. Um, very well done. I imagine um, the only thing I we thought... can perceive is the sound of Jif is finally falling asleep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, oh, finally it's over. <laughs> um, that freaking roll, Ralph. <laughs> What the hell is up with yeah. that? Um, with out. the determination, that was awesome. That's what, seven mm -hmm. successes? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that sort of blew my big cliffhanger uh, out of the water. Um, in the coming days, uh, just to sort of wrap, wrap things up, up mm -hmm. there's a, still a lot of friction and a lot of work for the crew of the Curie. Um, there's a lot of tensions to diffuse and plans get made to try and get people back to where they're supposed to be. Um, but the Queens don't have a viable population um, on their own. Mm. They just don't have enough bodies to care for everyone. Um, which could be a potential problem, but a not insignificant number of the people that ended up here um, actually choose to stay. Cool. It is, uh, with the caretaker now on board, it's easy enough to find the location of um, dozens of starships, including the USS Curie. Excellent. Um, making use of your suborbital flights. Um, it takes some time, like we're talking weeks, um, to get to your ship and wow. get things uh, back up and activated. Yeah. Um, but that time is definitely cut considerably shorter um, by the arrival um, of the Syracuse. Of course. Um, 
who based on last contacts and stuff made some projections and was conducting an extensive search of the area um, when they detected your um, ships uh, or the trails left by your ships and followed the breadcrumbs and is able to assist you guys in reestablishing contact with the USS security, uh, getting things back up and running, um, stabilizing power um, and that kind of stuff. And then um, you have two starships plus your sub um, plus your orbital ships to get people back to their ships and help them get their power cores started back up. There's some species that are not interested in making friends. Um, they want to get back to their ship and go. Um, so there isn't uh, you know a lot of thank yous or hugs or anything. They're like yeah, and we're gone. But there are <laughs> there are some friendships that are made. Oh right. Um, an exchange of cultures, um, contact with several new civilizations, um, all of them more capable. Um, and uh, the curious, through these extended contacts, gets a wealth of information of the area that you're exploring. Oh, yeah. Um, which gives you um, a, a, a definite advantage. You're no longer flying blind. You know things to look out for and interesting things to see. And you learn all of this from interactions with uh, the people that you're rescuing. I think the force of the captain's uh, will and the commander and the bond that the command team has made, no one from the Curie has asked to stay behind. Oh, right. Um, yeah. Bold of them to think that they could. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was just saying, Kidneal uh, would have exit interviews with all of them explaining you want to be on what planet with what homicidal yeah. machine? <laughs> sure. Uh, and, and, uh, I only bring it up because there's like there's some portions of most of the crews end up wanting to stay here. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Um, either because their life here was better than what they had before, um, or they're excited about new opportunities. Some of them have been are, here for so mm-hmm. long, I'm sure. And, like... and some of them have been here for so long that their old life won't even exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a there's a population that stays behind, but none of the Curie crew um, asked to stay. That's right. Um, which is a, a testament to the strength of the command team. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Curie and the, the Syracuse are on station for some time sorting all this stuff out and getting people where they need to be. And um, uh, But eventually, um, it's time to pick up your missions where you guys left off. There is one intriguing piece of information uh, that you get from um, a, a ship of traders uh, and prospectors, um, they uh, mine uh, various minerals in Solomon and stuff. Uh, they do a lot of exploration as part of that. Uh, and they report having had contact with a ship that looks not unlike the Curie. Oh. Um, and based on information that you gain from them, it sounds like it's a Constitution class heavy cruiser. What? That, that they've reported. Whoa. They, re- they reported as a derelict. Oh my gosh! Uh, but they give you the location that they and last upgrade. saw it. Yes, and that is <laughs> well. And except you have literally half the crew. They don't have a name or anything. They just have a location. Okay. Um, and they're not salvagers, so they weren't interested in you know picking it apart or anything like that. But they saw gotcha. their like, ship. Um, so uh, and theoretically, you might be able to run it, but you would be running your crew ragged because you have less than half the crew of a of a Constitution class ship. Um, so you might be able to, you know, have it limp along, but you would be working your crew to the bone trying to keep it up and running. Got the beam. Did, did, 
Did they ha give us any information that would pique the captain's specific hope? If you know what I mean. Um, the, all they know is the, the ship was the ship was floating in space derelict. Okay, yeah, I just mean like if they got any scans of it. No, um, uh, well, they got like a visual a visual record, um, okay. but nothing that you can see any details of. You see the two big nacelles and the. Um, um, I'm sure okay. it was. That's yeah. a really big ship. Protection. We're not going to mess with that. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. That's right. Um, they yeah, reported it, was... it to like Starfleet for us. There's no contact with Starfleet out here. Oh yeah, except, I guess so. Except through you guys, right? So they had no one to report it to. Yep. Uh, this is an area where Starfleet is just making inroads. Right? Um, they've never had a presence here before. So this would have been like a previous exploratory vessel mm -hmm. that right. went out but and has never come back. Never come yes. back. Yes. And there's there's one of the lost of ships. From the five-year missions. Yep. yep. There's several from the original five-year missions that never made it back. Uh, some some of the ships made it back without any crew. A few crewmen made it back without ships. There was a, a host of things, but there's several ships that just went off on their missions and were never heard from again. Um, when, uh, and it could be this is one of them. Yeah. When 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 that information is given, right? I think at some point, I'm wondering who would be present to see this. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, maybe when they're when we're on the bridge at some point, right? The captain will be in his chair uh, and looking out at the view screen, and uh, it could be Commander Kidneyall, it could be um, Lieutenant Zakolnin, who knows, right? But somebody might hear him whisper the word Monaco. What was that? Oh, did you hear that? He no. says. Just like kind of like dri his eyes drifting away, looking into space, you hear him softly say, "Monaco." <laughs> All right, um, and I think that's a good spot to wrap it up here. Um, thanks everybody for joining us once again. I hope you had a good time um, as we sort of wrapped up the arc. There's going to be a little epilogue um, we're going to do next week for half a session, and then it'll be session zero. Of Is it even going to last a whole half session? I'm expecting it to last a okay. session, yeah. Gotcha. There'll be a little expiration and stuff like that. Yeah, I definitely um, want to go through the attempt to try to contact these ancients. Um, yeah, and we can uh, fit in some scenes yeah. over there as well. Yeah, so yeah. we'll have, we'll have a half session uh, just to tie a bow on the whole Star Trek stuff and maybe set up the next adventure um, yes. as well. Um, and then we'll have uh, a session zero of Geist. Yeah, uh, which will not be character creation. We'll we may tweak some characters that we're going to show up with and we may kind of introduce those and you can watch us kind of figure out uh, how I wait to show you all the character I made up for this game. <laughs> definitely not running. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we're all very clear now and I think we can probably clearly announce. Yeah, Chris is going to be running this. You want do you want to give them an idea of what this is what the setting? Yeah, we're uh, we're we're running a tweaked version of one of the Dark Eras as we have done uh, with our In the West campaign. Wow. And uh, it is going to be um, Geists on the front lines of World War One in 1916 Belgium. Fun times. Yeah. It's going to be a real good time. Good stuff. Um, so thank you once again to Roll20 and uh, our patrons uh, for your sponsorship. Uh, we really appreciate it. It means a lot uh, to us. It really does. Um, you know, we have a little happy moment whenever somebody else signs on um, please join us on Discord if you want to know what all the in-jokes are or just need a place to hang out 
um, and talk about um, all your favorite stuff, um, join us at yeetinto.space. Uh, if you feel so inclined, you're more than welcome, or I invite you to uh, support us on Patreon at staylucky.club. And uh, that's it for the arc, except for a little bow on next week. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Join us next time for more bold action. Spooky action. <laughs> well, yeah. But I mean, bold. I mean, I'm hoping it's bold. Bold I mean, and spooky. Come on. Yeah. There's going to be boldness going on. A little calm, a little calm. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Lots of bold.